Well, 2114, good evening, fellow South Africans. Thank you so much. I'm not Asanda Beda, nor am I Nom Samjuli. They're my lovely colleagues who kindly stepped in when I was not available, and I thank them infinitely for that. Gentle reminder, Thursday, there'll be a little something in Johannesburg Studios, if you're so inclined. We'll meet there together with Phineas and Lesejo, who's also had some surgeons in Brazil, South America, so she's probably going to bring something there as well. Health on Monday, we're joined by Helen Joseph's Breast Care Clinics, Dr. Carol Ann Ben who established this facility in 2005 to meet the need of improved direct access to specialist breast care in Johannesburg. She was later joined in the center by further specialist, Dr. Sarah Rain. Together, they aim to ensure each patient is seen in a pleasant environment, managed with professionalism and kindness to international standards of breast cancer care. And to join us is Dr. Carol Ben. Good evening, Dr. Ben. Mm. Technology, for whatever reason tonight, is really not playing with me. Can you hear me better now? I now ah, I can. Good evening. Better. There we go. How are you, okay, Doc? Very well, thanks. Call me Carol, please. Carol, it is then. I might struggle, but nonetheless, let's try it. Carol, you set up this facility some 15, 14 years ago. Yeah. What really pressed you to do that? What was the real need that had you going? So I was actually a non-rotating registrar at Krishani Barra a long time ago, and there wasn't any breast facilities. So um, I started a breast clinic there, and it was literally I saw two patients a week, and I realized the need. I went out into the townships, and within two years I had a clinic of 150 people. So actually... Um, I approached National Health because the the heads there didn't see a need for a dedicated unit. And National Health moved me across to Helen Joseph and we built this amazing unit. And what can I say? It's an absolute, absolute love of my life because healthcare is a fundamental human right. And I really believe that you can have exquisitely good service in government equivalent to in private. There's no, There's no way you can't have. It just takes dedication and hard work. Let's talk about the intervention in real terms because you were saying you were seeing, what, two patients a day. Yeah. You're clearly seeing a lot more, I would imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. today. Yeah. And how has this improved the relations and yeah. the health of the people and generally just given the community that you service a better healthcare outlook? So I think the thing is we, we, ha- we make a misnomer. We make an assumption that cancer is an old white person's disease. It's not. It's neither ages, sexist, or racist. I mean, I'm operating on a, I always say I love my, my young man. A young man next Tuesday is just coming off chemo. He's under the age of 30. He's had a big cancer, and, and we're doing his surgery and a reconstruction. So the fact of the matter is it can happen to anybody. 65% of people who get cancer have no risk factors, and we need open access health care environments. You know, it's hard for people. You feel something. And I always say it's not about we have this concept that people don't come forward because they're ignorant. No one is ignorant. People, you know if you've got a lump, you know if you've got a stone in your shoe, you know if you've got a headache. So why don't people come forward? Because there's hostile health environments. It's hard. You go to a clinic, someone says, no, it's not a problem. You get turned away. You go back and forth and back and forth. Or some doctor tells you you're too young to have a cancer and you believe them. 
So then you arrive with these big advanced cancers. So 20 years ago when I set up my first clinic, 80% of the ladies that we were seeing had advanced cancers. Now we've got it down to about 58%. So we're making huge inroads and particularly shows like this. We hope that ladies who listen, if they've got a lamp, that they know they can come on a Tuesday or Thursday to the Head and Joseph Breast Clinic. They'll be triaged, seen, and we'll organize the right investigations and the correct treatment for them. It's very important. It is, Carol, and you mentioned quite a host of issues that lead to why people come and access the services at an advanced stage. Yeah. Let's talk to something which is quite categorical in the healthcare space, yeah. how professionals receive patients yeah. and the attitudes that yeah. they engage them with, which yeah. deters patients from keeping up with their health absolutely. such that they come when they absolutely have to. So that's my point. There's, uh, there's an understandable, what I call a hostile medical environment. We see it in private and government, but far worse in government. So patients do not want to come forward. And we really strive very hard. I mean, if you come into the clinic, you will see, I mean, it's really pink, but we have navigators, we have information desks. My clerks that sit there at Hen and Joseph are, I will tell you, best in the world. Finding files, filing cabinets, people are friendly. I've had phone calls from my staff at Hoppers 3 on a non-clinic day to say a lady has arrived from Polokwane. Please can we open a bed for her in the ward? She's come all this way to seek help for a breast cancer. So we really understand that it's about the patient. Obviously, I mean, we, you always get people who are like, oh, no, I'm not waiting in a queue and I'm not this. We have um, gift for the givers who bring food for the patients every Thursday. We have coffee. We really try and make it absolute best. Obviously, people waiting queues, etc. but the service they get, they get immediate reconstruction. The access to navigators is really, really important. So I'm very lucky, and it's about a team. I have an amazing team. My nursing staff are great. My um, cleaners are great. I, I have absolutely, and it's about us all working together. Not one of us is better than anyone else, and we must remember that when we treat patients. Thank you so much for talking about the team that you sort of engage yeah. the service with because that yeah. would have been my next question. Yeah. Let me follow up with that because you do work with other cancer charities yeah. in improving these clinical yeah. outcomes. Yeah. Tell us about the behavior, I mean, tell us about the relationships that you have. So, so basically many years ago I set up an organization called the Breast Health Foundation because I think it's about education and awareness and it's about navigating people through healthcare environments. And this is an amazing foundation. It's not based on people earning lots of money, etc but it's about going out into the communities. I have community navigators who are trained to make sure that people get to Joburg Gen for their chemo. Following up, I've had one of my navigators about a patient who's particularly not keen on treatment come in specifically saying, let's chat. And you've, we've got to understand people's right to choice. So the, the lady who wants to go and speak to her traditional doctor, you, you, you have to engage that people know that they can come back because often for many of us in life, we make right decisions and wrong decisions. And I think the secret is when you say to people, it's my way or the highway, they take the highway and they have a crash, you're still going to solve the pro- have to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So you need to have open access, communication, listen to people, and give them an opportunity to go and explore, but know that they can come back. Don't rush into things. There's no such thing as an emergency mistake to me. Really, it's not necessary. 
We're in conversation with Carol Ann Ben, who is the founder and breast cancer expert at Helen Joseph Breast Care Center here in Johannesburg, established in 2005. This is a public health facility for all intents and purposes, and I think the framing of this is important because people would ordinarily associate the narrative that you're giving with the private sector. And I think this is a massive win for society, represented by you, engaging the public sector for a public good. I mean, this is a constitutional right after all. Let's talk now about the clinical outcomes because there will always be wrongly even, in my view, comparison of public sector clinical outcomes and private sector clinical outcomes. I have a view which is based on empirical evidence. Public sector clinical outcomes are comparable in this country as anywhere else in the world. The question is always the experience. But let's talk about the clinical outcomes. So I can tell you surgically we have a, we have amazing clinical outcomes in terms of not uh, our waiting times are far less and if you had to go to the national health in the UK uh, time to we have no um, outstanding surgeries or patients waiting times for our cancer patients we try and give our patients about a two weeks uh, turnaround three weeks if they've had chemo just to give them time to engage because sometimes people change their minds and not sure whether they're making the right decisions. We have an amazing reconstructive team. So a large percentage of our patients have immediate reconstruction. And the clinic's not just about uh, breast cancer. I have a particular interest in our, our young boys with gynecomastia, and particularly ARV-related gynecomastias. We see unusual and a wide variety of things. We have a genetic clinic at the at the unit once a month. So it is a... It's a it's a bustling team that really works well. Obviously, I have no control of, say, for example, the other hospitals. So patients can have delays to particularly radiation. Yes. And, um, but I've got something afoot. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to, at least our Helen Joseph patients, offer them some of that on the private side. I think it's about working together, and it's about if you have an opportunity to give, you must give forward to people who don't have always, always, always. Give that. Carol and Ben a call, 891 founder of the Helen Joseph Breast Care Clinic. The word clinic is important here because right. it's not just about breast cancer, right. but it's a clinic for other health problems. Do yeah. you want to spend a little bit more time unpacking the services that you offer so that you can get even more people coming through, unfortunately, but more importantly, no. so you can agitate for another such center elsewhere? Yeah, so th- so I, I do I, I do a little bit of travel around to set up, so try and set up things in Sepulking, in Polokwane, etc. Because I think I always say braces for blondes. It just takes hard work to set up sensible processes, and then um, actual little level of expertise in terms of what you can do. There's no reason why you can't have multiple clinics at work if your people are interested and prepared to work hard. So when you're on government time, you work hard. None of this sitting around and doing nothing. We lead from the front and we make sure all the patients are seen. So I don't go until the last patient is seen ever. So um, basically we see any person, male or female, with a breast problem. We have... um, Transgender patients, we have um, patients with gynecomastia, male breast development, MOOBs as it's commonly called. We have some women with gigantomastia, these really big, big, big breasts that um, uh, we have a variety of unusual um, non-breast cancer related breast problems that we see. And of course, lots of people, unfortunately of all ages, um, race and sex with breast cancer. 
Dr. Carol Ben is on the line. She has with us another 20 minutes or so, so please give us a call, 0891-104-209. Any questions on your experience at the clinic? Any questions you might have on breast cancer or moobs for males? That's what she called it, and I'm just going to use that term as a term of art. Doctor, let's talk about consultation fees because, I mean, at some point you have to be sustained by some money, yeah. and I would understand that government cannot pay for everything. That is an overhead. Well, the thing is, if you look at the cost to treat a patient from the time the patient arrives um, till the time they've had all their surgery, etc., it's under $2 for everything. Uh, we're salaried workers, so I get a salary, a state salary. So I expect people to work, not sit around. And so we make sure that we see every patient in the clinic, even if we work flat out from eight to hoppers two and see 150 patients. We see them all. Okay. So the fact of the matter is, is um, we, we're not an expensive institution. We don't need to be. We have nice things that people bring in. So Breast Health Foundation of Supplies and Navigators, which for me are critical. Having people speak to people in their own language about why they should undergo care, why they should have treatment, why they should go for chemo, why they should go for radiation. I mean, having a 50-something-year-old blonde trying to tell um, uh, a go-go about why, why I think this is not, it's not the right. I need to make sure that she's clinically managed properly and that things run. But for her to speak to someone like Ntokoza, who can speak to her from her community or Oma and say, hold on, here's the story, and I've been through this, and you're going to be fine, that's important because yeah. that's what makes it work. And I absolutely could not do this without, like I said, a really spectacular team. So the, the funding size, things like TVs for patients and nice days and stuff, are obviously um, funded and supported from private and foundation and that type of work. And, you know, people often say everyone... People have so little, so you ask, oh, what can I give and what can I do? Do you know I have patients who knit squares and make blankets? I have a patient. I've got two bags I'm bringing in on Thursday of one of my amazing patients who knits beanies for the patients in winter for them on chemo. It's unbelievable. I mean, this is what I love about this country, the, the fact that there's such a usual heart of giving, gift, gift of the givers that brings sandwiches and cool drinks and a banana. So for everyone sitting waiting, so, because, you know, people catch taxis. They get up at 3 in the morning, catch a taxi to get to the clinic at 7 by open a file. I mean, we, we the, the clinic actually moves quite smoothly. I, I triage every single patient. I check every single file myself. And um, it, it works very well, I think. Everything that I hear you say is good, and it genuinely is, Carol, but yes. I, I do have a concern. Yes. Managing your HR, managing oh, time yes. at work, managing yes. stress, yes. managing yes. all of those yes. things, yes. although you mean well, they might yes. have an unintended consequence. <laughs> so, so, so the thing is, I am a self-confessed workaholic, but what I'm really good at doing is I delegate absolutely everything else in my life other than my work and seeing patients. So I always say I have really sheltered employment. So in other words, my biggest stressor today was trying to work out why I couldn't phone international on my cell phone. I almost popped a clock, okay? But the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, otherwise, every single thing I do is around patients and work. Nothing else. I don't walk into a shopping center. I don't do a grocery shop. I don't do an anything. I don't fetch and carry anything. So really, technically, I am 
a um, how can I say a sheltered employment individual who has the privilege of doing what I love from five in the morning till late at night. I still got two patients to see tonight. We are going to get you without your approval. <laughs> A psychologist, because at some point, Carol, the reality is that you're going to have to slow down. But let's talk yeah, about the clinic. Yeah, Each clinic yeah. is run with a specialist surgeon yeah, yourself, yeah, one me. or two training surgeons, yeah, registrar, yeah, resident, yeah, as well yeah. as one or two interns. Those are your yeah, junior doctors. Yeah. And that is the core yeah. of the team that is out yeah. there to make the clinical intervention. Let's talk about how you source your stuff. So amazing how many people come to me and want to ask um, and work in the clinic. In fact, my medical office has been with me for six months and there's amazing, a big high five to Hamoto. Um said, oh, she wants to stay for the rest of the year, but she's got to move on. Um, I'm very big into good referencing, supporting, and mentorship. These young doctors are our future and we have to inspire them to A, want to stay and make a difference. So I'm never really sure to people who want to come and work. I have an amazing fellow, Linda, um, from Zim, who has been a privilege to work with her and teach her for the last six months. And I just think that, um, I don't know, it just seems to work. I thoroughly enjoy it. Doctor, you need assistance. Where is the that assistance needed in as much as you might be yeah. pulling in from all directions yeah. and reliant yeah. on yeah. sort of goodwill yeah. at some point you de- you do would you sorry yeah you do need that sort of stability in terms of resources yeah. financial or in kind but nonetheless you are not getting presumably let me say so, so the where is, the, where's I'll, the need i will always say to people I, I will never accept anything for myself ever so if people are interested they should get hold of breast health foundation and see where the needs are because they need in your in communities so communities so for example my dreams my dreams are that we can have youtube based education systems for like sisters at clinics they know which patients to refer and they know referral directions. So patients are not going back and forth and back and forth a hundred times. You know, that frustration of when you go three times to try and get your ID and you, each time this is closed or that. We don't want that in healthcare. Healthcare, it's so important that we don't have that. My dreams are, I don't, are these patients who have to catch two taxis to oncology for chemotherapy and back at late at night. If we had like... Um, Taxis dedicated. This, there must be so many ways that we can improve our healthcare system. If youngsters are interested in research in the unit, I've got like three absolutely wonderful young men who are setting up research and IT systems just to ensure that we can load up all the patient data timelessly as we move on into a technical age. Those are important things. But also, you know, for people to come and come up also with their own ideas. So I always say sometimes stepping forward and having a look gives you an opportunity. So maybe uh, someone who phones in says, well, you know, this is an idea. So I'm a great believer in, in learning every day. So if we can learn to do things better, we only service our communities better. And I think that's important. All right. Thank you so much about that. Let's talk about your relationship with Netcare Hospitals because I do understand yeah. you have a relationship with the private sector, at least my research Absolutely. tells me through Absolutely. So I'm sitting here uh, um, at Netcare at Mill Park now. I'm very, very fussy about don't steal from the government. So my private work is strictly after hours and weekends. 
oh, and I actually have, I might be truly unbalanced, but I have a great unbalance. So what I'll do is I'll work insanely hard for three weeks, and then I will take the weekend off. When I do that, I don't do anything to have to do with anything other than just going for a run, chilling, writing an article, that type of thing. So I have a good unbalance. Um, so basically, um, more partner care and breast center, what it does is... Um, we, we make sure that we work closely together with Helen Joseph. So the entire switchboard system is set up so that patients can access through the Park system or through the NICU system and be bounced directly across to Helen Joseph, particularly if they're not on um, medical aids or low-end medical schemes. Um, and that's very, very important. So I think I saw three people here on the weekend that are directly sent straight across to Helen Joseph who are not on medical aids and needed biopsies and things. Um, so the fact of the matter is it does work closely together. We have an amazing machine here, interoperative radiation machine. I'll be cheeky enough to say that I'm hoping at some stage I can use that at Helen Joseph too. It is really the future of what we're doing. And cheeky enough is that if Moorpark um, gets a radiation machine, I would love my government patients to have their radiation in private. But you see, for me, it's a two-way street. It's about working back and forth and making sure that we address need. And the thing I really, really love about this NECA Breast Care Center is that they see the need of corporate social responsibility. So, I mean, last Friday I ran a teaching workshop with interoperative radiation, and the hospital manager kindly allowed me to do government patients in the private sector, including immediate reconstruction with the top of the art, and that's important. Whew, you do a lot, Dr. Carol Ann I can't ben. cook, hey? And I can't, I can't even use a coffee machine. And I love coffee. <laughs> Our producer says, ask yeah. Carol, what does she do for fun? There's only right. so much breast that one can take. Ah, oh, but you know what? Life is fun. Every day is fun. You've got to just see it. I mean, I arrived here at Hopper's Five this morning. The sun slowly comes up at six, and you think, it is beautiful. What do I do for fun? I'm going to put on my tackies this weekend. I'm going to go for a nice <laughs> two 10K runs. I'm going to clear my head. I'm going to chat up the breeze with a couple of people, and there we go. Do you provide surgery for people who cannot afford cosmetics? Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's a very interesting point. So, so we have um, a, a strong cosmetic and reconstructive part at the Helen Joseph Breast Care Clinic. So uh, patients having breast reductions, there's a subset of patients that government hospitals will do for nothing, and those are people, say, for example, on ARVs or what we call gigantomastia or macromastia. People who are just coming in for breast reduction have to pay a certain amount, but it's way, way less in private than in private, and they have to obviously fit criteria. So you can't want a breast reduction and you need to lose a whole lot of weight first. You'd have to lose that weight first. Then um, if people have ruptured prostheses, we can take them out. But if you have aesthetic stuff, then the government, you see, that's where I think it's important, will we'll charge a subset of a cost to it. So I actually take a lot of um, low-end scheme um, medical aid patients across to Helen Joseph as well as private patients from outside of South Africa. And I have absolutely nothing to do with it, so there's not a cent in it for me. They go to the finance department, and I'm sure the hospital and the government make some money out of it, so I'm sure that's where they, they what's the word, recruit or their losses. So I think that it's good. It, it is. Good. 
Let's talk about your relationship with medical aids and and, and the kind of patient you see. Songezo Mabete is employed. He has access to medical aid. He wouldn't ordinarily access the public health care system. Is he still allowed or welcome in your facility? Absolutely, but and the thing is, you can you can come into either facility because I think the thing is, you've got to be careful when you talk about medical aid. So, for example, some things are exclusion. So, a lot of the guys with gynecomastia I'll do on the state side, and the state will obviously charge them small amounts, etc. But mm. it won't be done in in private. But if you're sitting as a guy with a double D cup, etc., I mean, really, that's not cosmetic surgery. You, it's, it's, you're embarrassed, you don't want to take your shirt off, and a lot of them is related around diseases and medication you're on. So, um, and then, for example, you can have people on low-end schemes. I mean, I did a cost analysis for a year. The cheapest cost in private is, for example, my cost. Cost of something like radiology, core biopsies, anesthetics, etc., can be massive reconstruction for patients. So sometimes... Someone who's on a low-scheme medical aid is far more cost-effective for them to have their treatment in a state facility than it is in a private facility. So you've got to, people have got to understand all the options. I run a bit of a socialist system in that um, if, if people can pay, they must pay, but if they can't, then, then they must absolutely be discounted off so that they have no extra cost. But you don't really want to say that, do you? No, I'm, I genuinely say it. I'm sitting with a lady now, and um, her medical scheme is, <coughs> and I said to her, don't worry about anything. Really? I mean, last time I checked, you know, we might work ourselves into into whatever, but you can't take anything with you. No trailer. <laughs> True that. Touche. Awareness of breast cancer among men, that is something which clearly hasn't received the kind of traction that it probably should yeah. to prevent all of what it is that you do, especially as it pertains to those preventable conditions. So the thing is, I think we must remember that breast cancer can't be prevented. You can decrease the risk by exercise and probably healthy living and cutting down on alcohol, etc., etc. But, for example, the lady I'm with now has done nothing wrong, not, not in her family, doesn't drink, mm. doesn't smoke, anything, and she has a breast cancer. So 65% of all people, male and female who get breast cancer, don't have risk factors. So we have to be aware if there's something wrong, if you feel a lump, if it's not right, that rule of twos, if it's there for two weeks, and it's not going away, seek help. If it doesn't make sense what the doctor's saying, we need to encourage people to, that it's this concept of horizontal medicine, not vertical medicine. If you get fobbed off by a doctor, I mean, the lady I sent to Helen Joseph today has been on antibiotics for three months, and it's not something that should be treated with an antibiotic, it needs a biopsy, okay? So the fact of the matter is you've got to listen and question. And um, males... Get breast cancer. Commonly, it's not. It's what we. It's it's gynecomastia, and but all it requires is an ultrasound and an assessment, and to know what it is, and then we can manage it from there. Final thoughts on your okay. part. Is there a way in which we could use this model to replicate in especially your far-flung areas where the demand is just as great as is So we've done else? that. We've got one. Okay, so now I'm geographically challenged. So now we're really here. I don't know. It could be Limpopo. It could be something. could be some, um, I think, discoveries involved with Breast Health Foundation. But we have, we've, we've taken this model that I've set up, including all the, um, what do you call it? I have like, triage system. So like I said, breast off or blonde. So you can look and go A, B, C, D, this is what needs to be done. Um, 
so that we can manage patients. And I've just got a couple of patients who've come from there. The specialist type surgery that I do, they can come to Joburg for, but the vast majority of the treatment, the chemo, so this or that, can all be done. Absolutely. That's it. Find me people, doctors with passion who want to and will set them up in the units. Dr. Carol and Ben, thank you so much for your intervention. This has been Health Talk on Monday. Let's talk about now, finally, 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 who is Dr. Carol and Ben? So much has been said by you about all the good things you do for everybody else. People are asking, who is Carol? So who am I really? Okay, I'm a bit of a blonde nut. I always say that um, you you can not be able to spell or do maths and become a professor of surgery. So I'm really encouraging in the fact that nobody is perfect. I have a filthy temper if people are not looked after properly, okay? I am fundamentally will always fight for human rights and the betterment of people around. I'm generous to a fault. I am absolutely useless at anything other than my work completely, completely. I can get lost anywhere, okay? Any place, any time, okay? But I am privileged in that I found my love and my passion. I have an amazing family, Amazing family. My husband's an emergency medicine specialist. I've got three gorgeous kids who are independent, who've technically grown themselves up. They've been breastfed at Barra for three years. They've lived in the hospitals, and they are amazing. They are not helicopter parented at all. So, and I'm, I'm really, how lucky can one be to do what you love and to make a difference? And it's just joy in my day. Thank you so much. We do appreciate you. Dr. Carolyn Ben, health specialist, Helen Joseph Breast Care Clinic, specifically focusing on breast cancer and, among other things, men's health.